Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning. Great to see you. So we didn't have slides this morning. It's all right. They went thousands and thousands of years in the church without those things. Uh, one of the reasons the Psalms are so repetitive is they didn't have slides back then. So they sang things that they could remember. Kind of worked out for us today. Whoo! Uh, funny thing that's going to also have to happen today. Weird, I know what I'm getting ready to say. You may have to actually get your Bibles out today and open them to read in Scripture with us. Because uh, they will not be on the screen. The passage will not be on the screen. Many of you have smartphones with a bajillion Bibles on the smartphones. So, we will use that form of technology today because this one failed us. That's okay. All right, here we go. Before we get going, I got to take care of a little bit of church family stuff, okay? Um, Matt Lewis and Emily Lewis, they were just married. Emily is pregnant. She's very pregnant, actually. Um, Their house burned down this week. Um, It's gone. So... Matt and Emily have taught many of our kids for a lot of years. They're a part of our church family. So if not now, when, Hill City? Are you know what I'm saying? We're going to rally around them, and we're going to help them. Um, one of the things that we know that we can do is just give. So there are a few ways we're going to do that. Um, you can go online. We're going to have a tab set up just specifically the Lewis family. If you guys would be so willing, just any, anything that would help there. Uh, if you drop something in the box today and you want that to go to the Lewis family, just write it on, whether that's a check or an envelope or whatever, put it in the box, make it Lewis family. And then you guys have seen we're selling kind of like our Hill City stuff, just people have been asking for us. Any, any shirt or anything of our merch that we sell, all that's going to the Lewis family, okay? That's a small thing that we can do today. I'm going to keep letting you know as they're learning more. Listen, it's a struggle right now. They're learning more. They don't even really know. I've talked to Matt. It's hard for him to, like, say what he needs right now. They, it doesn't really know, but we know we can help that in that capacity, and as other opportunities come up, we're going to do that. Sound good? Okay. Please keep them in your prayers. I'll pray for them uh, in a minute after we read scripture, okay? But I want to, if nothing else, let's pray for the Lewis family, okay? Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty pretty big ordeal. Okay. Grab your Bibles. I want you to open to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. So today, I have a very special friend who is going to read our passage for us. He's not a guest. Uh, I can't say special guest. He's a family member who has been waiting for this day, today, for two years. He left. He had to go serve in the military for his home country. And it was this day and these, this people that sustained him that's how the, who the Lord used to sustain him through those two years. And he's back. And I said, Bob, I need you to read scripture. And Bob is here. So, yeah, a lot of you, listen, a lot of you don't know Bob. Bob played in our band. He, he, he helped with our kids a bunch upstairs when he was here. My kids are here. Listen, read scripture. I'm like, hey, you going to come hear daddy's sermon? No, but Bob's reading scripture. We're coming for that. They're literally sitting here to hear Bob read out of Ephesians. Now listen, 
I'm going to interview Bob later this semester when we start talking about this church and the church family and the body of Christ. But today, we're just going to, little bits and pieces. He may not even make it through this. <laughs> but Bob, I love you, brother. Man, I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so glad you're back. Let's read the word of God together, shall we? I'll be reading Ephesians 1, verse 13 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been protested according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God. The word of God. Okay, just look. I know it's bright, but just look. Listen, man, we miss you. We love you. You got to do this again, round two, just so you know. So get yourself together. All right. You guys get, haven't seen Bob, make sure you see him afterwards. Give him a big hug. Woo. That's a lot of scripture. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into this. Got a lot to cover. Okay. Let's, let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. God, right out of the gate, we are lifting up our brother and our sister, Matt and Emily, to you. God, we just sang you are good, and even when a house burns down, we know you're good. May they see your goodness, and Lord, we know that sometimes that people can see your goodness through your people. We pray that that happens here. So give Emily and Matt peace. Now, God, as we go to your word, we go to Ephesians, again, as we do each week, I'm going to ask, Father, that you open our eyes, that we can see awesome things from your word. So may your spirit be here and on all of us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let's dive in. So by way of review, if you were not here last week, I know a lot of people were out. Um, go listen to the podcast. We started Ephesians last week. We did, we did a lot of groundwork that we laid, but just let me do a little bit of review. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I told you there's a theme all throughout scripture and that is this. When Jesus said it or when God said it, it happened. It was so. And Jesus said he was going to build his church and that's what he did. In 40 AD, there were 1,000 Christians on the planet. By 300 AD, there were 5 million. 
And today there are roughly 2 billion, maybe 2.5 billion, however you want to do that. Okay, how does that happen? There's never been a movement, a revolution like this ever on the planet. There never will be again. How did that happen? Because when God says something is going to happen, you rest assured it's going to happen. He said he was going to build his church. That is what he did. Then we talked about the writer of this letter to the Ephesians, Paul. We went through a little bit of his history and who he was. You got to understand just, again, we don't have time to go all the way through it, but like this guy was murdering Christians before he met Jesus. We're going to read about, we're going to learn today about forgiveness. We're going to learn about grace. Um, when you murder people, God's grace means something to you, huh? That's where Paul was. He knew what he had in his past. He knew his past story. And we all have one of those. We all need grace equally. We're going to talk about that today. Paul knew this. Talked about Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. If you did nothing, I hope that you went back and read Acts chapter 19. We see where Paul went to Ephesus and how he started this very church. And there was a riot that took place because people were starting to follow Jesus. And there were two buildings I talked to you last week that would have been on the minds of the people who would have been hearing this letter. The, the people who came out of Judaism and also the people of Ephesus, the Greeks, right? The Greek and the Jews each had a building in their mind. In this city of Ephesus, we had this temple of Artemis, a massive temple. They would have been proud of this temple. But the Jews also had a building they were pretty proud of, the temple of Solomon. So as you're reading Ephesians, you need to keep that in your mind because Paul uses a bunch of construction language. Right, if you've ever built a house, or I know we have some contractors and builders in here, this book of Ephesians uses a lot of construction language because his audience would have, would have understood this. Because they loved their buildings. And Paul, so Paul is going to talk to us in Ephesians about a building that God's building. And it's the one Jesus talked about in Matthew when he said, I will build my church. I talked about Ephesians being a power-packed book. I like to watch like boxing and, and just any kind of fighting. I know it's barbaric, but I just like it. And, and there's a phrase used in, in that a lot. It's like, man, pound for pound, he's the best fighter in the world, whoever you might think that is. I think Ephesians is pound for pound the best book of the Bible. Now, that's just an opinion, okay? You can have yours, but this is a power-packed book. The construction language that I want you to start getting used to hearing, foundation, you're going to hear that word. You hear predestined, we're going to talk about that today, that's in our passage. Immeasurable is a word. Workmanship, he uses the word built in this uh, letter, he uses the word structure. This is where we sing songs about a cornerstone, right? A cornerstone is in Ephesians. He uses the term the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth that we see in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Construction language. He talks about being built up. We're to build one another up. It's construction language all throughout Ephesians. And then I talked last week briefly on verse 3 where it says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And if you got anything last week I wanted you to get, we have it all. If you're following Jesus, if you pass from death to life, we have it all. There's nothing we need outside of Jesus Christ. That word for blessed, 
that you see in verse 3, because we're going to see blessed again today, but it's not exactly the same word, but they do work together. But that word from last week, that blessed, the Greek word is eulageo, and this is where we get our word eulogy, right? What do we do when you hear someone read a eulogy? You're speaking praise or blessing over someone. Are you with me? And what the Bible says is we have been eulogized. We have been, a blessing has been spoken on our behalf. We have been blessed. We have been. This is, this is past tense. This isn't a process. If you're following Jesus, this is true of you. You have been blessed, meaning Jesus has went to God the Father and he has spoken praise and well on your behalf. It might go something like this. Oh, that guy? Yeah, Lotz? He's mine. He's all right. I've covered him. That's a blessing. Praise God. This has happened if you're following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, this isn't true of you. This is what we went over last week. And today we get in to the longest sentence in the Bible. 202 words, one long sentence. It's a run-on sentence. It's improper, whatever. That's just how it is. Paul gets after it, and he just couldn't stop this sentence. And today, this passage, it's like, imagine a treasure box. And God gives you this treasure box, and you open it. That's what this sentence is. It's a treasure box full of richness. And I want you to see that today. Paul is setting the table. With this sentence, Paul is setting the table for what he's going to call us to in chapter 4 later. So please, log this sentence right here. Log it on your heart. This is a really big deal. What we're going to see in this passage today is a bunch of identity words. Who are you, Hill City? Corporately, who are you? Who are we? What is our identity but I think I can even look at you individually. I can say, who are you, Kyle? Who are you, Emma? These identity words are going to help us in this long sentence. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and our salvation is all over this passage. And don't miss the we and the us and the our. So I don't want us to first go me and mine and I when we read this. I want us to look at this corporately. We're a part of something bigger. I am definitely saved. I have passed from death to life. That happens individually. But I can miss that I have been called to something bigger than my individual salvation if I'm not careful. Let me give you an example of this. A few years ago, I don't give Chief fans or Chiefs football a lot of love. So here you go. This, it's coming. Okay? Here we go. A few years ago... You had the 12th man in Seattle, the loudest stadium in all of football, right? And Chief fans kind of took that personally, right? So what they did is they had a game at Arrowhead, and they broke the noise record set by the people in Seattle. They're the loudest football stadium in the NFL. And here's the thing about that. that Chief fans wear that as a badge of honor, and they should. That's awesome. But no one, I've never heard anyone go, man, did you hear the guy in section 301? that night no now listen the guy in section 301 mattered he contributed but no one talks about that do they it's this bigger thing way bigger than an individual right that's how we need to start seeing the bride of Christ I, I watched a football game last night as terrible as it was idiots man 
idiots watching a game. It was five degrees outside. Why do human beings go sit outside in five degree weather unless they're trying to hunt? (laughs) (laughs) To watch a football, listen to me, you know why? Because at the core of us is we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. God put that there. And when we pass from death to life, yes, that happens individually, but it makes us part of something bigger. Are you with me? And it's in you. It's in you. What we're going to see in this passage today, we see the work of the triune God, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see the work of the triune God in salvation. It's beautiful. I don't want you to miss how beautiful this is. We see election and adoption from God the Father. We see redemption and forgiveness through the Son, Jesus Christ. And we see the the, the, the causing to hear the word of truth, we're going to talk about that, that the Spirit does. And then also like the guarantee of our inheritance that the Spirit does. He seals us. This is a really big deal in this passage. Now why am I telling you this? Because this passage, you heard it. It's, it's, a, it's a subject of controversy within the church. There's a, there's a word. Oh, right? Predestined predestination and and it's caused controversy over the years within the church and and listen it's it's sad because this is like this is like this is like Paul sat down and he wrote a psalm this is like one long psalm a sentence of praise and glory you'll see the word glory in there a few times of the work of salvation and here's the reality guys I don't think the Ephesians had a problem with this passage and this word predestined and I promise you this God doesn't have a problem with it he, he inspired this. I don't think the people of Ephesians left church that day and went to a coffee shop and started getting in a fight about predestination. Okay, I think it's new. And we're going we're gonna to tackle this. And we're not going to spend a bunch of time because I don't want you guys to miss the point of this beautiful sentence. Okay? So let's jump in. God the Father, right out of the gate. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us. Okay. This is the doctrine of election. God chose. God predestined. But remember, you got to stay with me with, pre, with, with, with construction language. Just a second, wipe my nose. good okay this word predestined it's construction language it just means this guys to mark out a territory okay if any of you if any of you have built a house or anybody is 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 a contract in the room no one just shows up to a property and be like okay let's just give me the shovel we'll start right here listen no you you mark out where you're going to build that's, that's what this word is. They would have had to mark out where this temple of Artemis, this massive building, it's like 120 yards by 80 yards. They didn't just start. They marked it out. There was a plan. And any builder marks out boundaries before construction. God the Father is a master builder. He marked out his building before it was built. 
He marked out his sacred space, which would have been done for Solomon's temple, and it would have been done for the temple of Artemis. Sacred space would have been marked out. God did the same thing before he built his building. So here's the question, right? Here we go. Well, did God choose us, or do we choose God? Okay, so I'm going to pause. A lot of you starting city groups back up. If, do not let me hear that you are in your city group talking about, did God choose us, or did we choose God? Okay? You will be wasting your time. There are bigger things I want you to talk about this week within your city groups. We'll get to it. But I'm just throwing that out there. Do we have a will? Do we have a, a free will? Or, or, or do we have the, can we choose? Or does God predestine us? Like, is, is it total sovereignty? Is God totally sovereign? Or is there any human responsibility here when it comes to this bread? Are you telling me you believe in predestination? Yes. See, the thing about me, guys, is almost everything I believe, I don't get to choose on that. I, I go to the Bible. It's not my choice. Yes, I believe God chose us. Yes, I believe in predestination. Oh, so you're saying, Brad, okay, well, I guess you don't have a free will. Nope. So, Brad, you're saying you believe that you actually can choose? Yep, I do. But you just said that you believe in predestination, and, and, and yep, I do. But no, 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 you said, look, yes and yes. That's where we got to be. And I'm not trying to confuse you, but it's yes and yes. Now, here's what we're not going to do. Hill City Church, let me pass you. If you're visiting today, just this is kind of how we roll here, okay? We are not getting into a theological ping contest over this. Because that's what has happened for years. You go sit down in a coffee shop, you get in a group of people, and we fight and argue, and we take this stance or this stance, and no disciples are being made. You're just wasting your time. We're not going to do that, Hill City. We're not going to do that. See, what happens is this is so prevalent in our society, right? We live in these uh, false dichotomies. Like we, we create tribes. Like, well, if you got to be here or you got to be there. And the reasonable people, reasonable people go, wait a minute, those are my only two choices? Well, you're saying I have to be all here or all there? Um, Jesus didn't do that. Outside of like, hey, Jesus is the son of God who died for our sins and he was raised again. Yeah, we got to be all there. Okay? But listen to me, we're not going to allow people to create these false dichotomies, right? And, and, and so listen, we're not going to be like fatalists. They call it fatalism. Where it's like, man, your choices don't matter. God, you're just like little puppets on strings and whatever happens, happens. And we're just little Eeyores walking around. Right? But also, listen, we're, also, we're not going to resort to idolatry either and think that we're in charge. Because we're not. Are you with me? But we're not going to create tribes and camps. Because what that will do, it will, cause to, it will cause us to draw incorrect conclusions. It's actually a distorted way of thinking. This dichotomous thinking, it's, called, it's distorted. Like, like, like clear thinking adults don't do this. People with distorted thinking does this. So let me just give you an example, okay? So, so here's the deal. I really like, so I'm football. You guys know how much I love football, right? So I really like Mike Tomlin, the coach for Pittsburgh. I think he is a, I think he's a great coach. I like Ben Roethlisberger, right? Now some of you are like, you jerk. <laughs> you, you hate the Chiefs. Oh, you hate the Chiefs, huh? Oh, you think Andy Reid's an idiot? Oh, you don't like, which this is a horrible example because I do hate the Chiefs. <laughs> but let's just say I didn't. Okay, just because I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach and I like him doesn't mean I, doesn't, that's not, 
Are you with me? And I'm not going to let you do that to me. Does this make sense? But we do this all the time. And, and listen, the world does it. They love doing it. That's why so much tribalism and separation is going on out there. We, and listen, sadly, it's infiltrated the bride of Christ. Let's fight against the Hill City. How about that? Okay? Did God choose us? Yeah, he did. But, but is there any responsibility on my part? Yep, the Bible is pretty clear on that. Ah, uh, perhaps, nope. It's yes and yes. It's yes and yes. I will stand before God, and I will be 100% responsible for the life that I lived. Do you understand this? We don't get to stand before God and be like, well, you, dubs you. No, I give an account. And God is 100% in control all the time. I don't expect us to understand that. Our minds are finite. So you, you can get angry and, and upset, like, man, I just want to understand that. You and everyone else, and it's probably not going to happen fully. And you need to be okay with that. And you're going to miss the point of this passage. Jesus didn't, listen, I'm going to read, this is a very familiar passage. Jesus is like, hey, here's the deal. I chose you, and come to me, all. Okay, Matthew. This is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Go to Matthew. Okay, Matthew chapter 11. I'll start reading verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This is Jesus talking. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Some of you don't like that. I just read it word for word, okay? Some of you don't like that. But if you stop there, you could end up being a jerk. See, idiot? God chose you. Shut up. That's not what Jesus does. Right after saying this, Jesus says this. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But, but Jesus, what? How, oh. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In one simple paragraph, Jesus says both. There's not a single one of us in here who are following Jesus. There's not a single one of us who have chosen to follow Jesus who will not have been a person that he graciously did a work in our heart and our life so that we could believe. All you have to do is just start retracing your steps. How did you get here? And eventually you're going to go, oh, oh, that family that I was born into and those parents that loved Jesus and taught me Jesus, oh, God did that. Oh, this ugly bearded guy, I didn't even know him, but like I came to church with a friend and he started talking about the cross and the gospel and 
I wasn't even going to go to church, but whatever, I just decided one day to go. My friend invited me. I didn't, have my, I didn't ask my friend to invite me. And just coincidentally on that day, I, are you with me? That's the story. That's all of our stories. So God chooses us. But then Romans 10, 13 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But God does indeed choose us, and it's our responsibility. The most famous passage in all of Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. You can do all the spiritual gymnastics you want with that passage, but it's silly. Whoever believes. Russell Moore, he wrote a book, Adopted for Life. Jenny and I read this uh, years ago. But he says this, God is not some metaphysical airport security screener waving through the secretly pre-approved and sending the rest into a holding tank for questioning. God is not treating us like puppets made of meat, forcing us along by his capricious whim. Instead, the doctrine of election tells us that all of us who have come to know Christ were here on purpose. In other words, let this be peace. Let this doctrine, let this doctrine tell us the truth that our God, God the Father, has a plan. He's always had a plan. He's not up there just winging it. And he will never be knocked off of his plan. Let us just rest in that. He predestined us. What did he predestined for? Adoption. He chose to adopt us. I don't have time to unpack. I would, I would teach weeks on adoption. I can't. Romans 8, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's an invitation. I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. There's an invitation to follow Jesus. It's open to all. And we are adopted. And here, I'm just going to move on from this, but i got to make one point here. Some of you have parents, and specifically even fathers, who were absent in your life. Some of them, maybe they weren't absent, but they were passive. Okay, there are people in our church where it's like, man, they've never heard their father say, I love you. That's, that's true, and it's sad, and I'm really sorry. And those, for those of us who are parents and fathers, don't let that be the story our children tell. But I want to tell you this. If that is you, if any of that is you, absent or passive or just a, someone, he didn't say love you, anything, you need to understand something. I'm sorry that happened, but look at me. You've got God the Father now. And he tells you he loves you every day. And he ultimately told you he loved you by sending his son to die for you. Rest there. Let that be enough. That's the work of God the Father and salvation. Election and adoption. It's beautiful. What about the son? We go to verse 6 and we see this word blessed again, but it's not the same word blessed from from verse 3. It's not the eulogy, right? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, the forgiveness of our sins. That word blessed here means freely given or freely bestowed. 
And here is the truth for all of us. We all long for a blessing. We all long for the blessing of verse 3, and we all long for this blessing of verse 6. At our deepest core, we want this blessing. You can go read your Old Testament, you'll see. It's, it's in us. It's wired in us that we want this blessing, and we get it through Jesus Christ. Redemption and forgiveness of sins. In other words, grace. You know what I want you to talk about in your city groups this week until you can't talk about it anymore? Are you ready? Glorious grace. The glorious grace of Jesus who redeemed us. What do we mean when we see that word redeemed? To secure the release or recovery of a person or things by payment of a price. We have been redeemed. A price was paid for us. Jesus did this. Right? If you guys, you've heard us use this phrase a lot, but the overarching category of the whole saving work of God is this. Ready? Redemptive history. Have you heard us use this term? The story of redemptive history. In other words, the big story of God. If there's ever a theme, it's redemption. He's buying something back. And he bought us, as the old song says, with his redeeming blood. That's how he bought us. And it's in that act where we get our forgiveness of sins. So we got to talk about this. This is a word we use a lot. We talk about it a lot. I am praying that this hits the center of our hearts this morning. Forgiveness of sins. Just pray really quickly. One sentence. God, let this hit my heart. Pray right now. Some of you think that Jesus despises you. I mean, you pass from death to life, but you think, no, I, uh, I think he might despise me. Look at me in my eyes this morning. He doesn't. He doesn't despise you. His heart longs to comfort you. There's nothing that brings him more joy than to give forgiveness of sins. What sins? All of them. Listen, he Grace is lavished on us, the Bible says. We don't even use that word very much. I haven't heard any of you use the word lavish lately, right? But what do we mean lavish, right? Extravagant quantities. More than you could ever deserve. It's grace upon grace, and it's grace. And he gives it freely. For what? For all the sins. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to go here. Because some of you don't understand what's sitting in this theater right now. few of you do. And I'm not talking to the non-sinners. I'm telling you, there are people in here, you think you're the worst sinner. And you think you're the only one, and you're not. Multiple people in here have been alcoholics. Multiple people in this room have done drugs. Multiple people in this room have had an abortion. 
Multiple people in this room have cheated on their spouse. Listen to me. It, that is the story of this room. And you think it, doesn't, it does exist here. And listen to me. Jesus forgives it all. There is nothing, nothing that the cross and the blood of Jesus doesn't cover. Jesus doesn't despise you. He loves you. It's grace upon grace, and it's on grace, and it's a blessing. That's what I want you to talk about in your city groups and every day when you leave this place. There's no sweeter word. As Linsky says, the word sweetest to the sinner in the entire scripture is grace. Just say it out loud, grace. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. It's forgiveness of sins. It's redemption. That's the work of the Son in salvation. You see how this is a beautiful song, a beautiful sentence that Paul wrote here. Why are we going to get hung up on something so trivial? So here's what happened. Okay, listen, everyone here just heard the word of truth. I just spoke the word of truth. The good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and the blood that he shed on that cross forgives you from any sin that you could ever imagine. And then he was buried and he rose again and he's alive right now. You just heard the word of truth. Now you're confronted with something, which takes us to then the work of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10 says this. Now, church, you got to hear me here, okay, because I'm going I'm to call us up to something, okay? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, okay? Now, listen, I love you, and if you've ever said this, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame you. I just want to call you up to something. No one's going to come to Jesus because they're like, you know, I just watched how this person lived. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry, the Bible never teaches that. So you can think, well, just preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. The Bible says it's always necessary to use words when you're preaching the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. So Hill City people, it's foolishness to zip your lips and think someone's going to be like, think I'm going to follow Jesus because of that. It's silly. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. The Holy Spirit of God will take the word of truth that you speak and the Holy Spirit will then do the work so that a heart is invaded and it believes. But can we just be faithful to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into the marvelous light? The word of truth. We pass from death to life because someone spoke the truth to us. Let us be people who speak the truth. And, and listen, there's a thing that the Holy Spirit does. You've got to get this. We won't spend much time on it. We will come back to this sentence almost 100% chance we will, okay? The Holy Spirit seals us. Now, you need to take your time and do your word study on that word sealed. But that's a huge word. He talks about it again in Ephesians chapter 4. But there is a clear teaching in Scripture. And I mean this. It's clear. Once you pass from death to life, once you become an adopted son of God, you never are an unadopted son of God. 
Once the Holy Spirit seals you, that is a done deal. He is the guarantor of your inheritance. In other words, we are God's possession. Once we pass from death to life, we are God's possession. Paul says this a couple times in Corinthians. I'm going to read it, 2 Corinthians. I'll read them quickly and we'll keep going. And it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Okay, look at me. Go back to the theme of scripture. When God says something, it is so. Look at me. When God guarantees something, there's nothing in the world that's more guaranteed. He who has prepared us for everything, for, for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is inside of us and he's guaranteeing the payment of the blood of the Son who paid for his new humanity that's made up of individuals. We're going to come back to this new humanity, but that's the thing that he paid for, this brand new humanity that individuals are invited into. So what am I telling you? You need to get this this morning as we end. Our future is guaranteed. This is the work of the Spirit. This is a really big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When will the gates of hell prevail against God's church? Never. Our future is guaranteed. Why does that matter? Because when we know the future, we will process the present much differently. Do you get this? When we know the future, it impacts the present. Okay, Here, let me give you just a plausible example of this. So I came out of education. Show me a teacher this week on a Wednesday in the middle of the school year. Kids are sick, not going everywhere, and it's like stressful. Compared to show me a teacher on the last day of school in May. The last day of school in May, oh, Kool-Aid spilled, whatever, paint all over the wall. It's okay. Why? She knows her future. He knows his future, which is, I mean, that's short term. Are you with me? But listen to me. We know our future. Do we not know our future, church? So we get to, we get to live presently. One example, I'll give you one more example. This was a Tim Keller example. Imagine going to a hot, sweaty, stinky room and you have a job and just two of you have a job to do in a nasty, dark, hot, sweaty room and it's hard work, but in one guy's ear is whispered, hey, when the day's over, I'm gonna give you 30 bucks. And then in the other guy's ear, you say, hey, when the day's over, I'm gonna give you a million dollars. And the guy in the room is going to get 30 bucks. This is horrible. This is stupid. I don't even know why I'm doing this for. And the guy that's going to get a million at the end of the day is going to be like, oh, it's not too bad in here, you know. That's our lives. We know the future. And God, through the Holy Spirit and his word, tells us in our ear, hey, here's your future. You think you get a million bucks? It's not even close. So we can process our future differently, and it's guaranteed Stand with me.